are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, open your Bible tonight to the Old Testament, the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And I want to share with you the first seven verses tonight. I want to speak on the subject, The Blessing of Trouble. I have a sermon on cassette tape entitled, Why Do Christians Have Trouble? And tonight, the message, The Blessings of Trouble. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odeb, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, not to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. This comment in passing and driving up the expressway the other day, my wife read me that seventh verse, and I, I said, read that again. And she read it, and I said, where is it found? And she said, Second Chronicles 15, 7. I said, let's memorize that one before we do anything else. It's a great promise. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And we quoted that dozens of times driving to Murfreesboro the other day. But I call your attention to verse 4 tonight. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord, God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. Let's bow our heads for prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, in these moments together, I pray for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that every heart will be open for the Word of God. I pray tonight that you will bless the hearts of the people. We don't want our church services to be dead, and we don't want the people to come because they feel duty-bound to come and leave without their hearts being blessed or getting something from the service. We want them to come because they want to come and because they find here what they need to help them through the week. I pray tonight that the words that I'll have to say will be a challenge and a blessing, and will help some to face up to reality in their lives of how they've treated trouble. Maybe they've taken it wrong. Help us tonight to see that trouble can be a blessing, and I'll thank you because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. The blessings of trouble. I don't think I need to describe to you tonight what trouble is. That's the thing that you have more of than anybody else. I've never met a fellow who didn't feel that he had more troubles than anybody else in the world. And those who don't feel it really think it, just don't share it. I was just thinking, if we magnified our blessings as much as we magnified our troubles, what a wonderful world it'd be. Most people you meet don't start thinking about 
Boy, I just went to the dentist and I didn't have a cavity in my head. They don't think about the good things. They always think about the bad things. And they'll say something like this. Oh, you know, the other day I was out and uh, uh, bumped into so-and-so and dented my fender. And their, your attention is always called, called to their troubles. And in most cases, if you'll be honest, your troubles are magnified. If you really sit down and think about them, they're not as bad as you make them. I've met some people who seem to go all the way back in their past as far as they can, even to their babyhood. And they, like a man walking down the road picking up Coca-Cola bottles, they'll pick up every trouble they've ever had since they was a little baby. And when they pick up every trouble they've ever had up until this moment, then they'll go into the future and pick up every trouble they think they're going to have before they die. Then they'll bring them all together and set you down and talk with you about those troubles. They seem to embalm their troubles, and then when it comes time for fellowship, they'll bring all those troubles out like mummies out of a casket and parade them by. And they'll say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. They just plan to have trouble. They just look for trouble. They're like the woman who every night would wake her husband up and say, shh, shh, I hear somebody in the kitchen. And so the husband would jump up and put his house coat on and run into the kitchen and turn the lights on and look in the closets and on the stove and in the oven and everywhere else and never did find anybody. Next night, same procedure. She'd wake up during the night, nervous, shaking her face white. She said, slip in the kitchen. Somebody's in the kitchen. And this went on week after week and month after month and year after year. And the husband got used to this procedure every night. He knew he'd have to get up sometime during the night, put the house coat on, go in the kitchen, look for the burglar that his wife supposed was there. She just knew that burglar had to be in there. One night he went in, same procedure, done it night after night, hundreds and hundreds of times. He got up in the middle of the night, ran to the kitchen, and uh, flipped the light on, started to flip it off and go back, same procedure, but out of the corner of the eye, he caught a figure. And sure enough, there was a man standing there with a television set, some other things in his hands. He flipped the light back on, looked at him, and the fellow was afraid and started to drop them and run. And the man of the house said, wait a minute, don't go anywhere. Just stay right where you are. He said, you can have everything you've got in your hands. If you'll stay there, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And you can take it all with you and the hundred dollars. The burglar, of course, looked a little uh, surprised. You know what to think. The burglar stood there. He said, just stand there. He said, she said, uh, and uh, if you'll just stand there, let me go get my wife. I'll give you a hundred dollars and all the things you've stolen. He said, you see, my wife's been looking for you 17 years, and I want her to meet you. <laughs> There's a lot of folks like that. They're just looking for trouble. There's a lot of women who are just planning on dying with cancer. I mean, you just, if you don't die with cancer, you're going to be disappointed. You just, you're worrying about troubles. You know that 90-something percent of worries and things you worry about usually never happen. I had a worry chart in my office I meant to bring down and didn't. And it gave the percentage of things that people worry about. And most worries are over things that never happen. The worry cow could have lasted till now if she hadn't lost her breath. But she thought that the hay wouldn't last all day, so she choked herself to death. <laughs> a lot of folks like that. Worry, 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 worry. Have nervous breakdowns, heart figures, all kind of physical disorders, all stemming from worrying about trouble, trouble, trouble. Bringing all your past troubles up and all the future you th trouble you think you may have and putting it in one big pile and then worry about it. Jesus said, sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. 
Now, the Bible has a lot to say about trouble. The Bible said in Job 14, 1, Man that is born of woman is few days and full of trouble. Now, so you can look for it, can't you? He said he's few days full of Look for troubles. And then Job also said in Job 5, 7, Yet man is born of trouble as the sparks fly upward. Just use the sparks fly up. He said, that boy's going to have some trouble, and that girl's going to have some trouble, and that man's going to have some trouble, and everybody's going to have troubles, just like the sparks fly up. But you know, a lot of troubles could be avoided, because a lot of troubles we bring on ourselves. Proverbs 21, 23 said, Whosoever keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Your tongue got you into a lot of trouble. You said something you ought not have said, and as a result, trouble. And the Bible said the fellow who can keep his mouth and can keep his tongue and will save his soul from troubles. How many times have you ever commented when you should have been quiet and then get home and worry yourself sick about what you said? Huh? And couldn't sleep all night long? You know, I wonder if Miss So-and-so misunderstood me. You know, she didn't look right when I said so-and-so. Maybe I shouldn't have said No, maybe about it. You shouldn't have said it. You should have kept your mouth shut. You could have slept that night. Yeah. A lot of times we say things we ought not to say and wish they we hadn't have said it. I'm guilty of it. I've been in the platform. I've said things up here and go back to the office and worry three days about it. In fact, I've wanted to get away from here before for having said things I did. Your mouth can get you into more trouble. More trouble. Whosoever keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from trouble. But you know, some folks like to talk all the time. They say, well, I don't want to be hypocritical. If I think something, I'm just going to say it. Well, I'm not. And I'd prefer if you think something, not say it around me, too. Because you think a lot of things ought never to be said. Somebody said, that's just the way I am. Yeah, and you're going to have an awful lot of troubles. You could keep yourself from a lot of troubles if you just keep your mouth closed. David said, Lord, set a watch before my lips and keep my mouth. Pray, Lord, help me to keep my mouth shut. That's what he's really saying. Yeah, troubles are normal and natural, and man is prone to trouble as sparks fly upward. And he that's born to woman is few days and full of trouble. We all have them. But you can save yourself from a lot of troubles by just not talking too much. And troubles, as bad as they are, though, are blessings in disguise. Somebody said God often uses the spade of sorrow to dig the wells of joy. And I read in our newspaper here in Atlanta about three years ago on the front page of a lady who had missed her plane. And the reason she missed her plane was she had her children with her. And she had lost her pocketbook somewhere at the airport with all her money and all of her travel cards and all of her identification and plane tickets all in her pocketbook. And she lost it. She was fretful and fussing and fuming because she'd lost her pocketbook. And she missed her plane. And after the plane had uh, departed, a little later on, she found her pocketbook at the airport. She boarded the next plane. But before she boarded the next plane, they had gotten word that the plane she missed had crashed and everyone on it died. She didn't know it when she lost her pocketbook. And she was fussing. And uh, complained to God, I lost my pocketbook. I lost my airline ticket. Now I missed my flight. And now I'm late. And now I'm nervous. And everything else. Uh, but that trouble was a blessing in disguise. 
God saved her in the life of those children. And many times trouble is blessing in disguise like that. That happened in Atlanta. And then Jacob is a good illustration of this. His brother sold him to a band of Ishmaelites and he was carried away to bondage, put in jail, mistreated. But in the end, Jacob said, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. And God elevated him and gave him a, a favor with the king so that he was in charge of all the corn and grain. And when his brothers came and his father came who was hungry, he was able to give them grain and corn. I've lived long enough now. And some of you are older than I am and you've learned a lot more than I have. But I've lived long enough now to even thank God when I bump my head. I've lived long enough now to even thank God when I cut my finger or nick myself shaving. Yeah, because I've learned that when trouble comes, many times it's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise. God often uses the wells of joy to dig the spades of sorrow. Let's see. Number one, bless our troubles make us turn unto the Lord. In Second Chronicles 15, 4, the Bible said, They in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel. Our nature is to turn away from God. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Our nature is to turn away from God, but often trouble makes us turn unto God. How many of you in this room tonight would not have been saved had it not been for some trouble God brought into your life? How many of you here tonight would not have been the Christian you are tonight had it not been for some trouble that God brought into your life? Many of you wouldn't have been saved had not God brought trouble into your life. I talked with a man a few months ago. He attended this church. Some of them moved away. I understand that. He spoke five or six different languages. He was a pilot in uh, an Air Force, I think the Brazilian Air Force, if I remember correctly. And he told me how he was saved. I questioned about his salvation. He said, I was saved whenever my plane was shot down. And it was on fire, and we were loaded with ammunition. And it looked like the fire would get to the ammunition. It would begin to explode before the plane ever got to the ground. He said, I never thought I'd ever live. I couldn't see if the plane landed, it would have to explode. I actually thought it spoke before it hit the ground, I said. But in that plane, diving towards the ground, he said, I called on Christ and was saved. Hadn't been for that trouble, he'd never been saved. The plane landed safe and he got off. And a fellow who had been witnessing to him, trying to lead him to Christ, met him. And as soon as he met him, he knew he had been saved. And the first thing he said to him was, Amen. And the fellow looked back at him and said, Amen. He knew he had been saved. He could see it on his countenance. That fellow taught a little bit in the Bible college after that. Thank God for that trouble. I told you about the man that had the wreck and the nurse put him in a cast, laid him on the hospital bed. And he laid there and looked up at night at the ceiling and saw on the ceiling, Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The next morning the nurse found out she'd made a mistake, that she'd put the cast on the wrong fella, that his leg wasn't really broken, it was only bruised. She apologized about it and took the cast off. Said, I'm very sorry if I inconvenienced. He said, inconvenience me nothing. He said, that's the best piece of work you've ever done. While I was laying here, somebody had written up there, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I saw that all night long, couldn't sleep. And he said, during the night I came to Jesus Christ and I was saved. Nurse, thank you for putting the cast on my leg. Yeah. Trouble often makes us turn to God. There's a family here tonight. I don't think they'd mind me saying this or I would not say it. 
over in this old auditorium. We had just moved into this building, had just a little crowd of people, only half full, uh, or halfway back on each side in the old auditorium. One Wednesday night, I saw a family walk in, and I saw another family walk in behind them. And I saw a third family walk in, and they fill up one pew in the church. After the services, I don't remember whether it was that night or whether I visited their home or what. But anyway, I later talked with this family and asked them, were they saved? Yes, we're saved. Have you joined the church? No, we haven't joined the church. Have you been baptized? Some of us, not all of us. And I talked with that family. And I said, how do you know you're saved? They told me there's trust in Christ. How'd you come about being saved? And they said, our niece was killed in an automobile accident. As a result, her sister was saved. And her sister got a hold of us who had been living wild and reckless. And now we're all saved. And three families joined our church as a result of a niece being killed in an automobile accident. Three years later to the very month, the niece that was saved as a result of another niece being killed in an automobile accident, that niece who was a member of this church was also killed in an automobile accident. And I preached her funeral. And at her instructions gave an invitation, like in a revival meeting, at her funeral. And the numbers of people came down to receive Christ as Savior. And while I was greeting them, that niece's husband who had been killed in an automobile accident, the niece's husband got up and stood with me and helped greet the people who came forward at her casket. And down with the casket, he led soul after soul after soul after soul to Christ. One of those men's a deacon here tonight. He helped receive the offering. His brother come down the other side and helped receive all those two men came to Christ because of trouble. Their niece had been killed. Three years later, the other niece, the niece's sister, was killed, who led them to the Lord. At her funeral, numbers of people were saved. That's not a story I made up that happened. Because trouble often makes us turn to God. And that's not all. Trouble in the second place makes us trust Him. 2 Samuel 22, 7 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. And Psalm 87, or 86, 7 says, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Trouble makes us trust. How many times have I had people come to me in my ministry and say, Brother Curtis, my health's gone. I've lost all my money. My business looks like it's going to go bankrupt. I've gone as far as I can go. It looks like I'll have to trust the Lord. Some of you said that too. Yeah. You see, you just wouldn't trust God left. Oh, you should have trusted Him when you had a good business, when you had good health. But a lot of you have to lose your health and lose your business and lose your wife and lose your reputation and lose your character. And lose everything else before you'll ever trust God. In my trouble, he said, I call upon the Lord. And he did hear my voice out of his temple. My cry did enter into his ears. How many times has trouble driven you just to swing out on the promises of God? Just driven you out there. And you said, Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. I'll trust you. And you just swung out and said, sink or swim, here I come. And you just launched out. Trouble drove you to that. Brother Curtis, it just looks like I'll have to trust the Lord. Isn't that pitiful? Just have to trust Him. 
An old fellow stood up in one of Dr. Bob Jones Sr.'s meetings and he could barely get up. They were having testimonies. And Dr. Bob said, I noticed it ever so often he'd try to get up and someone would beat him up. And then they'd give the testimony and said, and the old man would get up and, and someone would beat him up. And after a while he finally pulled on the pew and, and made it up and he stood there shaking and he said, Dr. Bob, he said, I'm old and my children are married and they're all off and my wife is dead and, and I'm not able to help myself and I'm living on an old age pension and I don't have anything left but Jesus. And he sat down and then he pulled back up and said, but come to think of it, that's about all I need. He learned to trust God in his troubles. How many prisoners of war have you heard? When they reached the end of the rope, called on God. And how many, of you, how many have you heard get off the plane and turn the nose up at God? No, they all got off and said, we had a strong faith in God. And that may answer, that may be the answer to why some come back and some, some didn't. I haven't seen one come back who didn't have strong faith in God. I haven't heard him. You may have. Everyone is careful to say we, we trust in God. Trust in God. And some of them received Christ as Savior and trusted Him as Savior. Why? Because trouble drove them to it. Well, their arms behind their back and the circulation cutting off. And knowing for sure that there were going to be a double amputee. And suffering with their fingernails broken backwards. And the big bar across their ankles, as most of them have told the same story, eating into their flesh. And their torso racked with pain all the way through. How many of them trusted God in the Hanoi Hilton and lived to get off the big plane and stand as old glory waved and we cried? I hope you cried, you dirty bum. If you didn't, you ought to have. And we cried and, and heard them tell how they had trusted God in trouble. How many preachers do I know who found God in a foxhole with the ammunition shooting over his head? Trouble will make us trust Him. Trouble will make us trust Him. I never learned anything from my blessings. I learned everything I've ever learned from my troubles. I never learned any lesson from my successes. Everything I've ever learned, I've learned from my failures. But trouble not only makes us trust Him, trouble enlarges us. In Psalm 4.1, the Bible says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. What? Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. The actual rendering is, In pressure, thou hast enlarged me. When trouble came and pressure was on, you enlarged me. I don't know a great man of God. I don't know a great evangelist. I don't know a great pastor. I don't know a great missionary, but what that it's sometime in his life, God used trouble to enlarge him. Charles Spurgeon was voted out of the Baptist Union of Great Britain and Ireland. Voted out, censored, thrown out, excommunicated. And his heart broke. But Charles has in Spurgeon is worth more than all the preachers put together that voted against him. 
And everybody knows Charles Spurgeon and every preacher in America has preached his sermons, but nobody knows the name of one of those in the union that voted to throw him out. I don't know a preacher living that knows the name of one that voted against him, but every one of them knows about Charles Spurgeon. Trouble enlarged him. Charles Finney, the great revivalist who shook the nation. Charles Finney had his own pastor, Dr. Dale, come to him and say, Dr. Uh, Finney, he said, Finney, I'm ashamed that I've laid my hands on your head at your ordination. I'm ashamed of it. And Finney's heart broke and he dropped his head and cried. But God used Finney. And Finney would preach revival meetings and wouldn't give an invitation to come forward. He'd let them suffer. And one night he gave an invitation to me and nobody came. So for night after night he wouldn't give an invitation. And they'd cry after he'd preach. They'd give an invitation. He'd say no. And he'd dismiss himself and leave. I gave an invitation. You wouldn't come. So he preached weeks and weeks without an invitation. And went back into a little cabin in the edge of the woods to spend the night. And that night over 500 grown men came and fell on their knees in the yards of that cabin and cried, Mr. Finney, give an invitation. Come out, Mr. Finney, and help us to find the Savior. He said, come back to the meeting tomorrow night. I may give an invitation tomorrow night. A few nights went back like that, and Charles Finney gave an invitation, and they tore pews down and trampled folks getting down to the front to get saved. He didn't get that by being a softy. He got that through trouble. And John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher, was not allowed to preach in the pulpit of his own church where he was a member. And he stood out in the graveyard next to the church and stood on his father's tombstone and preached and drew a larger crowd in the cemetery than they drew inside the church. How you like them apples? And Charles Wesley turned the world upside down. And all the blessings that you enjoy in America tonight are byproducts of the Wesley revivals. You better thank God for John Wesley. Had it not been for John Wesley on Aldersgate Street that night, you wouldn't be enjoying in America what you're enjoying now. Get that book, This Great Freedom Winston, and read it. Every blessing you enjoy are byproducts of the Wesley revivals. England was almost gone the night God saved John Wesley. You could get drunk for two cents. The clergy were living immoral lives. And then you couldn't find Bibles in many places. And in one district you couldn't find but one Bible. And that Bible was used to prop up a flower pot when God saved John Wesley. And God turned the nation around through John and Charles Wesley. Charles would, John would preach and Charles would sing. It was the most glorious thing. How the Wesley brothers preached the word of God. Trouble made him like that. Trouble enlarged him. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. A.J. Gordon, in a book I have in my office entitled Deeper Experiences of Famous Christians, A.J. Gordon, praise be sorrow with me, Jesus. Be sorrow with me. Be sorrow with me. If you have to break me, bruise me, make me bleed, be sorrow with me. And God was thorough with A.J. Gordon. 
and God enlarged him. And George Truett, that little boy who was saved over here in North Carolina, in one of A.C. Dixon's meetings, and A.C. Dixon preached that night, and preached that week, and only had one convert, and it was a little six or seven-year-old boy. And when the meeting was over, A.C. Dixon said, I guess the meeting was a failure. We only saw one come, and he's a little six or seven-year-old boy. But that six or seven-year-old boy was George W. And George Foote pastored the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and preached and cried. And thousands were saved. And one day on a hunting trip, George Toots shot his best friend accidentally. Somebody said after that experience, George Toots never smiled again. But somebody else said after that experience, he never preached like he had before. He preached like he'd never preached before. And I've talked to some of our old people who've heard George Toots. Granny Meadows for one said when George Toots would get up to speak, he'd look at the congregation. So you could hear a pin drop. And she said people would weep all over the congregation. He was not a scholar. Read his sermons. He was far from a scholar. Listen to his old records. He was not a Bible scholar. Some of our people here know much more about the Bible than George Truett did. But in his trouble, God enlarged him and gave him a tender heart. And he turned the city of Dallas upside down. Thank God for trouble. Makes you want to pray for it, don't it? A surgeon was operating on a man's ear once. It was a serious and painful operation. And the surgeon said to the man, Now this may hurt you, but it won't harm you. And God says to you whenever he's working, This may hurt you. Jeff, this may hurt you, but it won't harm you. John, this may hurt you, but it won't harm you. Trouble will enlarge you. And many things God's brought to my life hurt me, but it didn't harm me. The day I went to court, my mother and father divorced hurt me. The day when they said, you want to go with mother or daddy, it hurt. Because I wanted to go with both. And I would have allowed somebody to have taken a saw and sawed me half in two and said half with mom and half with daddy. How do you make a choice like that? It hurt. But it didn't harm me. I've been able to put back together at least five homes in this church and remarried couples who are sitting here tonight. It hurt, but it didn't harm me. It hurt whenever I began to study and, and preach. And my preacher friend said, he's modernistic. He's preaching the second coming. He's building a big church. Wants a name for himself. It hurt. But it didn't harm me. And when a preacher said to me this week, the only reason you preach is that big church. Have it trailing. It hurt. But it didn't harm me. What he didn't know was that he was making more money than I was, pastoring a much smaller church than I'm pastoring. And I never told him. He thought I was making 100000 a year. And another fellow said, I don't believe in paying preachers. I believe in getting them an offering. I said, when I first came to my church, they gave me the offering every second Sunday. 
The first time they gave it to me, it was $3.61. I said, I wish they had kept it up, and I'll be glad to give my salary for the second Sunday offering every month. <laughs> I'd make about 11000 a month that way. You know, they believe in free will offers, so the offerings gets too big, and then they believe in salaries. <laughs> That's what you dirty bums believed in, Paul. Why don't we go back to that second Sunday level? I like it! I want to live by faith, not by salary. I wouldn't make about $140,000 a year. Some of you fellows don't make that much. It hurts when they say I'm preaching for money when I know what I had to go through. It hurts when they say, you quit! But you can't argue, it hurts. Yeah, but trouble helps you. I'm good mind to shout right now. A man stopped going to church because the frost destroyed his peach crop. He said to the preacher that he couldn't serve a God like that. And the preacher replied that God knew the frost was not good for the peaches, but he couldn't grow men without it. God can't go real Christian without some trouble. It seems to me that the great physician says, I may hurt you, but I'm not going to harm you. The blessings of trouble, not only that, but the blessings of trouble. Trouble brings the presence of God. I have never, pardon my personal experiences, but I have never known the presence of God like I've known them in trouble. It's when God is prospering and you've got plenty and a new car and your bills are all paid. It's then that this dry rot of ease gets a hold of the Christian. And he loses that presence. But those times when I had to drive that little 60 Renault Dolphin, push it a while and drive it a while. <laughs> the time when I had to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, and neither Peter nor Paul, either one ever got paid back. Those were the times when I knew the presence of God like I don't know it now. The times when I worked for the loan company and would drive out in the pine thicket and park the car and crawl out under the pines on the pine straw, making thirty-something dollars a week, my wife making forty-something, if that won't give an inferiority complex. <laughs> Both of us together making seventy-something dollars a week. And out there with a little cheap ten-cent store Bible on the pine straw reading and crying. But God was behind every one of those pine trees. I never knew God's presence like I knew it in trouble. Ease will kill you. Ease will destroy you. God is our refuge and strength. But they are present help in trouble. Psalm 46.1 It brings the presence of God. I read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Some of you bought it. You may have read the same place where those old martyrs we put on a rack. They'd put them on a rack and tie their hands and feet and stretch their bodies. And their bodies would ache and pain. And their torturers would come to take them off the rack and the martyrs would pray, don't take us down. Why God's presence is so real upon this rack, we'd rather be on the rack than off. And the torturers would not know what to do. Please leave us on the rack. Please. God's presence is so real. Don't take us down. And not only does trouble bring God's presence like nothing else, but trouble in the last place brings God's protection. 
In Psalm 27, 5, David said, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. What? Yeah. Trouble gets too much for me, he'll put me inside of his pavilion. You may have read this story in the papers recently of the POW. My secretary told me about it. One POW was being tortured in what they call the Hanoi Hilton. They all had the same experiences, almost, with their arms tied behind them and the big bar across their legs until their feet would swell and look like elephants' feet with little toes. And beaten, kicked. And I'm not for sending aid to that kind of people. Unless it's a grenade. <laughs> Kicked him and beat him. And one soldier said, he suffered and he suffered in the paper the other day. He said, I suffered and I suffered. Until I said, if they come one more time, I'll have to give in and talk. And he said, they came. And I said, I'll talk. And he said, when they went to get the paper to jot down what I would say, he said, I backed out and I told them the wrong thing. And he said, immediately they knew I told them the wrong thing and started torturing me and beating me again. He said, they went out and said, I prayed, oh God. Oh God. I can't take any more. I've gone as far as I can go. Unless you do something, this is all I can take. And he says, you wouldn't believe it. But he said that when they come in to torture him again, that it was, this, it was like God had put a shield around him, around his entire body. Did you read it? And he said when they would hit, it was like the blows hitting the shield and never reaching him. He never felt the blows. They would kick, but he said the shield had him protected and it was like riding down the expressway in a big, nice automobile during the torture and the kicking. Why? Because in the time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion. And that's exactly what he did for that POW. He hid him in his pavilion. They hit, but they couldn't hit him. And he lived to come home and tell the story. The last place trouble brings protection. Daniel's an example in the lion's den. Somehow old Leo wasn't hungry that night. Not for Daniel. He was too much backbone. He wanted somebody who had some meat on him. Daniel was all backbone. And he said... You see anywhere we can bite Daniel? He said, no, it's backbone on this side. <laughs> Couldn't be backbone in the front. You have backbone in the front and back in both sides. He's all backbone. He need him. Leo laid down. Daniel said, come over here, Leo. He said, they forgot to throw a pillar in here. And I'm used to sleeping with a pillar. And he fluffed his mane up and laid his head down and went to sleep and snored. Oh, no. Next morning he got up and the king came and said, Daniel! He said, live on, O king. 
Old Daniel's still dying here. Somebody said, that's because the lions wasn't hungry. That's because you didn't read the Bible. Because then they took those that accused Daniel and threw them in to ate them up. There wasn't a bone, a hair, and a toenail hit the floor. <laughs> read it for yourself in the book of Daniel. Not one particle of flesh ever hit the floor. They ate them before they ever hit the floor. The difference in them, Daniel had God's protection in trouble. Three Hebrew children had God's protection in trouble. Yeah, they won't bow down. They're non-cooperative. They're fundamentalists. <laughs> They're against the ecumenical movement. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's got the ecumenical movement going right. He's got the old image out there, and everybody's got to bow down. But they wouldn't join the Kneebenders Association. So they stood up there. And they had a lot of music, flutes and horns and everything else, and sackbutts and everything else, and psalteries, whatever they are. And they played it all, those three Hebrews. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood there, military style. Wouldn't bow. Okay, boys. Heat that furnace up seven times hotter than it's been. And they just got it so hot. When they threw, threw Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, my shack, your shack, and the bungalow, and they threw them all in there. <laughs> the fire leaped out and destroyed those that threw them in. And they died. Shadrach hit the bottom, Meshach hit beside him, and then the Abednego. And Shadrach said, Amen, boys, you all right? That's in, that's in the Hebrew. <laughs> Meshach said, I never felt better. Bendigo said, I'm doing all right, too. So let's walk around down here. And walking around in a fiery furnace. God said, y'all need company? Jesus come and stood beside him. Boy, he was born in Bethlehem. My goodness. And Jesus comes through beside him, walked around in the fire furnace with him. He said, boys, if it's too hot, I'll turn the thermostat down some. What temperature you want? Put it on 68. And they come out of there without a hair singed, without the smell of smoke on them. That's more than I'd say for some folks. The only thing was burned was the ropes. Trouble! Yeah, but they had God's presence down there. And that's not all, bud. When they throwed John out on the Isle of Patmos, rock in the ancient sea, no trees, no shade, sun bang down as they tried to boil him in oil unsuccessfully. Put him out there and let him die. John laid out there on the Lord's day and was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the angel said, Why waste your time when I had taken a sun bath? Get your pencil and start writing. We'll write the book of Revelation. Give that Forest Hill something, Forest Hill crowd something to study on Wednesday nights, 1973. So he wrote the book of Revelation. And we're studying it and shouting over it and enjoying it. And he got it while he was having trouble. Best thing ever happened to you was your trouble. Next time I come to see you, don't, don't let your lip drop down to your chin. And start magnifying all your troubles. Thank God for them. 
Thank God for the hard places. Thank God for the furnaces. Thank God for the troubles. Thank God for my enemies. Thank God for that. The best thing ever happened to you is your troubles. In my trouble, he enlarged me. In my trouble, I trusted him. In my trouble, I called on him. In my trouble, he hides me in his pavilion. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.